0: This may not be what the creators intended, but like, it can't be an accident that this is in there.
1: Look, I remember it fondly because it had dinosaurs, <laughs> but I remember it unfondly for every other reason. The Black
0: Donnelly's is pure gold and you guys are wrong. Joey ice cream uh, for president. <laughs> I'm just saying that selfie belongs in the Criterion collection. Is it working? Uh,
1: <laughs> uh,
0: no, never, <laughs> never has anything worked for me in my life, Ronnie. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm a monstrosity made out of instruments and also an allegory. And my name's Evan. I'm Ronnie Con.
0: where all the Ronnies go to hang out and be Ronnie, and I'm Ronnie. If you
2: can tell by those introductions, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. We're currently covering... Amazon's, uh, yeah. d- uh, danger and eggs. But before DD and egg, uh, danger and egg, da- danger eggs and eggs. Egg, eggs and danger. But before we get into that, uh, I've
0: got a, I've got a bit for us. What's the bit? <laughs> What's the bit? Wow. Okay.
2: I yeah. liked that remix, Ronnie. That was good. A little, a little sexy.
0: Dulcimer thrown in there. A little, uh, little. Uh, what's the Scientology uh, fuck up thing? A theremin. A theremin. Yeah, that's what I was th- going for. Thetan. Thetan? Thetan.
2: <laughs> no, they're... that's the that's
0: the the jizz souls.
2: They're thetans.
0: Oh, right? Oh, no, the the, the instrument yeah. is the theremin that like the, measures the your theremins. Theremin.
1: Oh, okay. Oh no, the. Th- do they measure your thetans with a theremin, like the I'm musical instrument? I'm pretty sure instrument? they do. Oh, really? See, okay. I, think so. I didn't know it actually had anything to do with Scientology. I thought you just—I just figured out from the noise you were making. Yeah, I think that they, I think you they must they be talking that. about the theremin. Yeah. Wow! Somebody who know knows it? more about
0: Scientology, come at me and, and correct me. But tell I think us how they it. measure
1: your jizz souls. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't come up with their own device. They just bought devices that already existed and said mm-hmm. these measure your uh your science you, you these gotta, measure your scientology. If uh if I know anything about scientology
2: they're all about uh 100% effort to half ass their way through it.
0: Got listen, listen, listen. You might be setting up a shadowy cabal that is uh made up of celebrities in order to and rob taxation. people of their dollars. Um but you gotta support that local music economy. Yeah, gotta, gotta support the local economy of musicians and and their instruments.
2: Anyway, here's here's my bit. What's the uh, bit? What are you guys thankful for?
0: Hey, we didn't do it.
2: Yeah, what well, are you? Yeah, thankful we didn't for? do that one We yet. were
0: off last week.
2: Yeah. yeah. What are you thankful for?
0: Hmm. You ask every year, and every I do. year I have to stop and say, hmm. Because I just want to say you two every time. You can say
2: us, right? I'm going to say
0: you. I had a talk with my new therapist and I was talking about how like, "Mm, you know, don't have a huge support network for the old queer stuff. Um, And she was like, that's so sad. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, but like, what is your support network? I was like, oh, Andy and Evan. It's Annie and Aww. Evan. Annie and Evan are my best friends, and I can I can tell them anything, and I can lean on them for anything, and and they are they are excellent people, and I can't wait to uh, celebrate their love with them uh, very soon. Um, I just. Was gushing over over the two of you to my therapist, and Aww. she was very happy that I have people like you, and I do, and I'm happy that I have people like you. Thus, thankfulness. We got a good grade
1: in Ronnie's therapy session.
0: You did. Yeah. My therapist likes you, by the way, Ronnie. So, ah, yeah. Dope! I like I like when people like me. It's like my my primary uh thing reason for
1: living, which is. Mostly, the reason for the therapy mm. I'm thankful for therapists. I don't have one at the moment. I probably could like stand to have one. I don't like have an urgent need for one i ha- I was in therapy for many years for trans reasons and also just general life stuff at the time and uh, I did so good at therapy that I graduated, and I didn't have to go to therapy anymore, but um, yeah, it's been a few years. Maybe maybe I should get a therapist, but anyway, I'm I'm thankful that they exist. I'm also thankful for the both of you because I love you both very much. Love that. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for my kitties. Yeah, we got
2: good cats.
0: You do. Well, Big fans of those cats. Smooch.
2: Um, what am I thankful for? I guess it's my turn, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm thankful that I'm getting married in six months and I'm going to be surrounded by my best friends and I'm going to be wearing an expensive dress yeah. and I'm getting married to a, a real handsome guy that I, that I like very much
0: mm-hmm. uh, and I'm very excited about it. That's excellent. We're gonna look great. Yeah, we're gonna look good. Very excited for that. I'ma look good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you will. You're gonna rock that cape. I can't wait for this Kate. So hyped for this Kate. I'm thankful for our listeners.
1: Oh we have yeah. A very, yeah. Small, yeah. Nice not not very
0: small thing to say. We have a small but very dedicated, is what I meant to say. Um mm-hmm. group of a group of diehards. Uh and I am I'm appreciative of y'all always yeah. listening we
1: we're got not a new patreon listening.
2: recently and i'm thankful for that yeah. yes we
1: did yeah thank you M. uh you. I, I know who you are because you were on my podcast but thank you we appreciate you very much i need yeah, to get em on horse friends very badly yeah you do yeah
2: i've been trying to like find the the right episode um uh, mm. to have her on um, it's got to be one where the Jedi do some really fucked up shit, because because <laughs> uh, she has very strong opinions about the Jedi.
1: <laughs> y'all want to talk about the show now? Yeah, let's talk about uh, Danger and Eggs. Uh, okay, the, so uh, as y'all know, there's two um, like two plots per episode. This is a lot of plots, so I'm just gonna hit the very very <laughs> highlights, the very very high high highlights, the top level stuff. All right. Episode 4 part 1 is they uh they meaning Didi and Philip and this girl who's bored all the time who they're trying to make friends with uh fall through some grass into the underdark and uh the unimpressed girl is generally unimpressed and they have to escape and also impress their new friend. Episode 4 part 2 Philip cleans a bunch of pennies out of a wishing well and the town gets really mad about it because they have superstitions. And then, um, Philip and Dee, Dee turn to the camera and do a several minutes long, uh, explanation of what confirmation bias is. <laughs> um, episode five, part one, uh, Philip and Dee, Dee want to use the band shell at the park to, to jam. But they need permission to use the band shell, and so they have to go through uh, a, an office building, like an administrative office building, like they're on a dungeon crawl to find uh, somebody named Cheryl to get permission to use the band shell from. This one actually has a, a, almost the same through line in both episodes. It's like a part one, part two thing. As they're at the band shell, uh they make a friend named Milo and Milo uh, also jams with them and, but then Milo has to is like moving they make real good friends and Milo's leaving for some reason i think Milo's moving away and uh their anxiety about Milo moving away manifests as like a giant monster made out of instruments that they have to defeat Milo does move away but it's okay cuz they keep in touch Episode six, part one, is Pete Peril. Uh, Dee Dee's dad is a stunt man, and Pete Peril is like a rival stunt man. Uh, and Dee, Dee thinks that she has to like defend her father's reputation against Pete Peril because Pete Peril's trying to do a bigger, better stunt than her dad did. Um, but it turns out that Pete Peril and Dee Dee's dad are actually friends, and they got each other's back. And they don't uh, want there to be rivalry in the danger stuntman community. Six episode six part two is called Philip Khan. There's a convention for all the Phillips, uh, and Dee Dee changes her name to Philip so she can go to Philip Khan. And all the Phillips think that she's not Philip enough to be a Philip. And it's an allegory about uh, like identities and gatekeeping and stuff. Episode seven part one is called hide and they're playing hide and seek and dd Dee Dee gets stuck on an island with uh another girl and there's I, I i don't know if this is true but they kept they said towards the end of the episode that there's some kind of like contagion on the island that makes everything on the island form a hive mind um i i don't know if that, i don't know if that's actually what was going on <laughs> but anyway dd Dee Dee and the girl on the island the girl on the island convinces dd Dee Dee that uh her friend Philip is never going to come rescue her and she should cut all ties of friendship to Philip and uh, like live on the island forever. Um so she does that but Philip does come and rescue her and also the girl she's with has a friend who comes to rescue her. Episode 7 part 2 there was a I think this is the same dude from episode 1 that was like lost in the water slide mm-hmm. but this time uh he's He's living in the sewers and, uh, his sewer friends, his, his alligators that he has in the sewers and he have blocked the water flow to the whole town. Um, and uh, this is some kind of plot that he has to make friends. I'm not sure what, anyway, they, they, they get the pipes unclogged and get water back. Um, episode eight, part one. Didi and Philip, uh, like go for a jog in the early morning, which is not when they're usually up, and they discover that the pigeon lady has, uh, like a secret pre dawn routine she does that, like, keeps everything in the world functioning basically. <laughs> and so they have to help her do all of the weird tasks that she does that, like, makes the clock tower work and also, like, makes the the grass grow and stuff. Like, she she does all these weird rituals that make everything throughout the rest of the day work the way it's supposed to. Episode 8, Part 2. Uh, some cool skates are returned to the Lost and Found at the park, and Dee Dee really wants them, but Philip is like, no, we have to return them to their rightful owner, and he's very proud of the fact that he's returned every lost and found item ever to its rightful owner, uh, but DD they are, they have a conflict of interest because Philip wants to keep his perfect record and Dede wants to get to keep the skates, so several people try to claim the skates and, uh, Dee Dee, uh, like, does fucking background checks on them and stuff to make sure that, like, if she finds out that they're not the real people who own the skates, um... So yeah, the the, the conflict is the, the thing there I think that's all of them episode yeah that was all yep. we watched that's all of them that's all of them um and it wasn't that many
0: episodes but boy howdy was it a lot of story and plots um, yeah
1: well we watched like f- we watched five
0: five episodes, five episodes. 10. yeah
1: so it was ten plots to keep yeah. track of yeah it was challenging I had to rewatch two of them yeah uh hey Andy.
0: hey ronnie these five slash ten episodes of amazon's danger and eggs uh did they work for you they did cool yeah
2: good yeah i uh if you've been listening to ending pending the past i don't know like month i feel like you've probably heard me like spiraling uh as things in life have gotten really difficult uh and i have to talk into this microphone because i'm obligated to every week Uh even if i'm having a rough time and uh this week was particularly bad and i came home and i watched uh danger and eggs and it was a uh a silly uh fun like positive show that I probably wouldn't have watched otherwise if I wasn't doing this podcast but it was like what my brain needed so yeah it, uh, it worked for me
0: very good yeah, very oh. good hey Evan yes Ronnie these 5 slash 10 episodes slash plot lines of danger slash eggs did they work for you <sighs>
1: There's some things about these episodes that I thought were better than the first couple of episodes we watched, but I I don't think this show is for me. I don't think it's for me. That's fair. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. Did.
0: These. Five. You got this, Andy. You got this.
1: Farts. You have to say it louder, Andy. Farts! (laughs) (laughs) I whispered it real, real secret.
2: That... Happens... On... Your... Television... I wanted you to say (laughs) but. Um... Television... In... This butt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why this is not a bit that I'm doing. It just legitimately gets me. Even if I know it's coming. Did um, you like this,
1: these five episodes of you know, Lord he, he, And look, Andy, I know that you're trying to put the word fart and butt in there as many times as possible, but it doesn't make a coherent sentence no. when we're done. No, it doesn't, does it? No. No. This is, Anyway, uh, did, 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 what do did you think about the show, Ronnie? What do you think? You think? Did episodes? it work?
0: Yeah, yeah, it worked. It worked for me. I, I like this. I thought it was a, I, I, to be honest, again, our format is not conducive to watching a bunch of TV and remembering it. Um, I didn't remember a ton of what I watched, but Evan, as you ran through the descriptions, I was, found myself going, oh, right. That was fun. That was, uh, that was a delightful moment. I enjoyed that. Uh yeah. Yeah, this show's working. Yeah. What a, what a, what a, what what about it worked for us?
1: I like when Philip's face gets real tiny.
0: It's very good.
1: Yeah, I I commented on that uh last episode of Andy Pendy. I like the way his face just moves around his whole body. Yeah, it's really good. It's good.
2: Yeah. I like when his arms move in in weird silly ways because eggs don't have arms Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but philip has arms and i like his arms
0: they can make those arms do whatever they want you know it's there's no rules to that
2: i liked the uh squirrel playing uh bongo drums oh no it was a fox i liked the fox playing bongo drums i liked Mm. the fox he was good
0: i very much liked learning about communication fallacies on this children's show um like observation bias or was it observation? No, it's confirmation bias.
1: confirmation bias. Yeah. I love uh, that. I liked, I liked the Philip Kahn episode. I thought that one actually like was a, a clear allegory, you know, that, uh, that, that made sense to me as it was both a funny episode and like had a point, you know? Uh, so I liked that one and I thought finding Cheryl was pretty funny. Uh, in terms of like handling, uh, sort of going through small town bureaucracy as just being like a dungeon crawl, basically, mm-hmm. but not fun. Thought that was good. That was good framing for that. That was good. Oh, I liked at d
2: when the two kids showed up because they thought it was D and D con.
1: Oh, that was funny. they
2: the one kid was wearing a really adorable, like, homemade dragon costume and it it made my heart happy.
0: The also in in addition to the teaching children about uh logical fallacies, um the stages of grief laid out in a very uh succinct and and uh and well laid out way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, in the, the, um, the trio episode where, where Milo, uh, has to go back home. Uh, Philip, Philip walks us through the five stages of grief and it was, uh, informative and led to a giant monster as, as our grief does, uh, metaphorically. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I, I liked the, the Mad Max references in Alligator King.
1: Yeah, I wasn't crazy about that episode overall, but there were like a, just a few minutes where like they were clearly making some some Mad Max references and that was yeah. funny. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh I'm I'm always a sucker for an alligator themed villain in the sewers. Mm-hmm. Like that is just something I I very much enjoy. I uh I do not like Duncan. Duncan makes me very uncomfortable, (laughs) but, uh, I'm a sucker for a completely illogical, uh, like alligator men in the sewers. I'm here for it. And, uh, Mad Max Fury Road fucking slaps. So, uh, this children's show doing a riff is, is always, is always good in my book.
0: I love that in, uh, the, again, back to the trio episode, that the raccoon has given up its corporatist dreams to pursue being an EDM DJ. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's very good. Um, very, you know, very true to life. That raccoon is really going through all the stages very quickly of uh midlife crisis, quarter life crisis, whatever it is where they're just like, I quit. I'm going to start doing that Skrillex thing. It's fun. Fun callbacks. there's there's not a whole lot of characters on this show. Uh, but the characters they do have, they they use them uh
1: quite well. I I just love the idea of Philip Kahn. I said as we were watching yeah. it, like, wouldn't it be wild if they just had conventions for people with the same name? Like John Kahn would be the biggest one. Mm-hmm. You know. They it- would be like the New York Comic Con of name cons. Didn't
2: they have all those people fight to the death for a name recently and a little kid won?
1: Was it
0: Jason?
2: Something like that.
0: Or, or uh, Vincent?
2: I liked the horses at Philip Khan.
0: Mm. That made, oh, me,
2: that made yeah. me happy. Uh, I always thought that was a silly uh, name meaning because uh, it is my middle name.
0: Philip. Philip. Um Milo uses they them. That, yep. was, pr- mm-hmm. that was fun. Non binary
2: cool. slash agender, a gender voice actor, which I, I thought was cool.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Very cool. Yep. Um, all of
2: the uh I believe all of the like gender queer characters are voiced by gender queer uh actors. That's excellent. Uh, I was reading an article about uh the like queer creators on this show.
0: Very cool. I oh I remember I have in my notes here it just says war era stunt bike lesbians um and that was in the uh like history of the of the danger family the first uh first uh daredevils in the family were what I have deemed war era stunt bike lesbians love that and uh and then when Philip and or not Philip, Mr. Danger and Pete Peril have their little accidents. They be they're 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 gay stuntmen. They're 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 gay uh, stunt bike men. So that's fun. I don't know if it's explicitly gay, but it's it's implicitly gay. I,
1: yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it was like explicitly stated. It wasn't explicitly stated that the um the Bettys. I think they were both named Betty or something like that. Um. Look, I, I would prefer to believe that they're lesbians, but they also could be, uh, like sisters-in-law or, uh, aunts from different sides of the family. They could be roommates. Yeah. Um. Like, I mean, I always, I never, uh, trust situations like that because I was done so dirty by, um, um, uh, 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 pushing daisies. Sure. with With the aunts, the- Darling, Mermaid, Darling. You can who clearly should have been lesbians, but they weren't. Sabrina's ants. Yeah, yeah, Sabrina's ants who are also not lesbians but should be. You could you can
0: frame sisters all you want. Like, they are lesbians. The 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 mermaid ants are are lesbians, and so are Sabrina's. I know, aunts. but they are
1: like I know, re, I know. Like
0: I know. You, I know. You have to
1: Yeah. I'm not, giving, not
0: though. <laughs> I'm not giving the writers a break. I'm saying you know screw the writers twofold because they baited it and also they didn't do it yeah um yeah but that was it it felt very i'm sure that they were
1: intended to be lesbians in here but it wasn't it wasn't made explicit at any
0: point and even and even if the if if mr danger and uh, pete peril were not intended to be you know uh, a queer thing it was it was uh you know, dude bros being sensitive with other dude bros and, and you love to see that too.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I will say for this show that something that I really have enjoyed is, um, there are like visibly queer characters moving around this world. And it's a show from a child's perspective. Uh, and so like maybe, the child is not like necessarily aware of like the word for that, mm-hmm. but like I'm watching this show and I'm like, oh well, like that person's pretty gay. It's like reading a Chris Claremont like X-Men book. Like mm-hmm. Chris Claremont could not on the page say Mystique and Destiny were lesbians, but he could say a French word that if you knew the definition of it meant lesbian and, uh, like there's something extremely like homoerotic about Chris Claremont's X-Men stories. And this similarly feels like a queer universe. Um, I know that like, it's frustrating in 2020 that there are still, Oh God, it's 2021. Jesus. It's almost 2022. It's all fuck. 2022 yeah. fuck, fuck. Um, I know that it's frustrating to like engage with stories that like, can't say certain words. And I'm sure it's even more frustrating to be a queer creator and have to like work within the gray areas of what you can like, Portray, but um, like this feels more queer to me than Caleb Widogast. You know, like this feels more, 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 more gay to me than uh stories that uh claim to to be explicit representation and easily could have delivered but didn't. And uh, to to me, this is uh. You know, a, a show aimed at six to eleven year olds, and I think it's pretty, it's pretty right there on the page. Like, mm-hmm. I would not need a, an interview with a creator to confirm that this show
1: is is gay. I did, I, like, I I wasn't uh uh like picking up the little hints, uh, the way you were. I don't and- think they're that little. Like, I
2: think it's just there. Like, I see a character design, and I'm like, oh, like, that kid's gay. Like, that kid might not know that they're gay, but, like, that kid's gay. Or that, like, adult walking by is gay, and, like, Dee, Dee might not know that, because Dee, Dee is a small child with an imaginary egg friend, but, like, you know, just the character design and how they talk or how they walk or, or whatever, it's just like, oh, this is like a very queer universe. Um and like a character using they them pronouns in like a kid's show
1: with no, an like agender gender voice actor. That's pretty dope. That was I that was explicit, but that's uh by my tally, that uh character using they them pronouns to this point was the only like explicit think, reference to to queerness in the show. I think Didi's Dee pretty gay.
2: Like I, the the Dee Dee might not know necessarily what like romance is yet but she was very infatuated with that princess and she was like a knight like rescuing her and they were making flower crowns and like that to me was a pretty like on the page example of what it was like being a queer kid and having a crush and not knowing like what that was but it didn't seem to me like just a platonic friendship
1: I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I also am queer, and I didn't pick it up. Oh, until, well, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not yeah. saying you
2: are less queer than me
1: because <laughs> you're you're not enjoying uh,
0: Danger and Egg, but um, I feel like I'm somewhere in between, where it's just like I can I can tell that like things are being laid down, but I'm just not very good at picking them up. I I I think that I think it's more of a me problem, more of like just like where my insight like level ends. And I think maybe it's just because I'm filtering all of that into deciphering Taylor Swift Easter eggs right now. Um, Mm -hmm. but still eggs. Yeah. I, I, there's definitely things where I'm like, this means something I need to like rewatch this episode and really Philip Khan. I really need to like sit there with Philip Khan for a little bit and like find all of the nuances of, like you said at the beginning, like there is like talk about like, um, Identity and gatekeeping, and I, I think you can apply that to like a uh, certainly to like a queer lens. Like um, I see that stuff being played, I see those cards being laid down. I just don't whether it's the format that we're watching it in, or whether it's just because I I just don't have the the insight to pick it up. I'm, I'm struggling to uh, grasp onto all of it.
1: Yeah, my I think my, like, thing is that, uh, like, for a show that is targeted at little kids, it's clearly not for adults. For a show that's targeted at little kids, um, I don't think the, like, the metaphors that they have chosen are especially accessible to little kids. Like, if we, as three adults, have to sit here and think about this to figure out, like, what. You know, Philip Kahn is an allegory for I don't think a child. I don't think that is going to register with somebody between like the ages of six and 11. But I think and maybe I'm but, not giving kids enough credit. Maybe <laughs> kids are smarter than I think. Well, I, I think like, the,
0: the kids are looking for different things. The, the, the message of that still comes across of like F- D.D. could be a Philip. Like what what makes Philip so special that like D.D. can't be a Philip? Like, like those kind of things come across and are they applying that to gender, to, um, to, to race, to, to fandom? Like, no, probably not because they are not playing in those worlds as much, but I think those ideas, those like virtues, those moral lessons still get imparted, which, you know, even just hearing someone referred to as they, them, like is might be just the thing a child needs to hear to be like and i'm not talking about like a child my age i'm talking about a child who's like six or seven and figuring this stuff out and it's like oh what what pronoun was that what did they say um of course we're i'm still using the example of the one explicit um moment but uh, i think that there is like a fair amount you can glean from this when you're not me trying to like you know, rearrange the the cosmos in order to find the true meaning.
2: To to bring it back to, to X-Men, because I'm just going to keep bringing it back to X-Men. When I was a queer little kid, I watched X-Men cartoons and I read X-Men comic books. And I felt seen in those stories, even though at the time I was reading and the stories I was engaging with, there were no, Queer characters and the the metaphor was going through this lens of like shooting optic blasts out of, you know, a Ruby quartz visor. And as a queer kid, I was reading into that story my own experiences with you know what I couldn't quite name yet as being like my gender and my sexuality. And it took a long time for me to, like, come to, to realize what I was reading into those stories. Uh, I think the the metaphors here are even more present and easier to grasp for a child. Of, like, Didi puts on a suit of armor and rescues a princess and, like, is infatuated with her. And... You know, I feel like if I was a kid watching that and I saw like Didi Dee Dee putting on that suit of armor, I could have like recognized parts of myself in that story of, oh, well, if she can wear that, can can I wear a princess dress like and and like grappling with those questions? And I keep coming back to that episode because I think it's the gayest episode we've watched. But
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, Philip Kahn was also pretty gay.
0: I also not to like take away from your read on it or your experience reading comics, Andy, you are an I I keep tweeting about this every time in retrospect. You are an incredibly insightful person. And I don't know if that's like a chicken and egg thing like you had to be insightful to like because you were, uh, you know growing up in a world where you weren't quite able to grasp what was right in front of you or if you know, that's a you know where, where it comes from or where it ends, but you are incredibly insightful. And I, and I, uh, as I'm watching these episodes, I am like, I don't feel like I got it. I bet Andy's going to get it though. Andy could explain it to me on <laughs> not, this episode of ending pending. Um, not to be do a
2: downer. Say, though, oh,
1: okay. I do want to say we went into this. With the knowledge already that it was, like, a queer show. Sure. So, like, we went into it, like, looking for this stuff. I think I'm incredibly
2: critical of shows that say they're queer and aren't, though. Like, I I will be the first to say, like, Liam O'Brien, you're a liar. Nothing about Caleb Widogast is explicitly bisexual. Like, you can say that all day you want and tweet it after the fact, but, like, on the page, it ain't fucking there. And you could have put it in there. You could have put it in the reunion show, which came out a week later after the finale. And you could have just mentioned it there and you did it. So, like, I'm the first to be pissed about that. I, like, but I got to cause it as I see it. I Like, I, I think this is, uh like, baked into its core, a show made by queer people with uh, every intention of like showing a queer universe that is easy to grasp for kids who like don't have the words for it yet. Cause this is aimed at six to 11 year olds. Like I, I, I think it's, did they have to jump through some hoops to like get it made with Amazon? Probably. But I think like that's not the creator's fault. And, uh, I think if I was watching this as a kid, I would have glommed onto it and not had
1: the language to fully express why it meant something to me. I mean, I have no doubt that the intentionality was there. Uh, like, I know that the creators of this show are queer. I know that, like, the the actors, like the talent involved, are like all queer people lending that, their voices. That to the roller show. skate girl, that you, you I, telling me she's straight? Like, no way. I mean, like, but again, that's coding. I think it's more
2: than coding when it's character design. Like... I mean, she's mean, she, part she, of what
1: coding is, I mean, though. Like, sh- Disney villain, like, like, Ursula. Like, sh- her character design is a queer character design.
2: Yeah, but like, queer coding a villain because you're playing on, like, harmful stereotypes and just saying, like, no, we're designing a character who is queer... Um, it's not going to like. It's not a love story. It's a children's story. So like, it, it's not like part of that character's arc. But like, we're filling this world out with characters who are not like defaultly
1: heterosexual. I'm I'm not like making any kind of moral comparison there. Sure. I'm just saying like, queer coding is a component of character like or character design is a component of queer coding characters. And I'm not saying that like queer coding is bad. Sure, but uh like queer coding is not the same thing as like explicit queer representation. And again, I I know that the intentionality was there and I know that like uh they were limited by like what Amazon allowed them to do. I'm sure. Like we've seen this with shows constantly like where the creators wanted to push the envelope more and weren't able to for whatever reason, so yeah, like I said, I have no doubt that the intentionality was there. uh, I'm just not like seeing it on the other end as a viewer in the way that I think they hoped that I would to to me, it goes beyond just
2: like having two characters of the same sex, like in a relationship to me, the world in its like foundational aspect feels queer to me. And I think that's cool. And I think that if a six year old was watching this and knew they were different and didn't have the words or understanding to say why they were different, they could watch this show and like it would click for them. And I think the fact that it's a aimed at an age group of like, six through eleven means that they have to take into consideration, like, more ethereal aspects of queer identity than just sexuality. Because at the end of the day, like, and I hate to say this because it's used constantly by fucking cowards to deny representation, but I think... This show is trying to hit aspects of queer identity other than just sexuality. And that's not to let off the hooks. Creators making more adult content that have no problem showing straight sexuality. If that makes sense.
1: I'm not, I'm not like arguing
2: yeah. that there should be
1: anything sexual about I, this I'm show. Not, there that, absolutely shouldn't no, be. I'm not saying
2: that. I, I'm just saying that like they're not like romantic attraction isn't really like an aspect of this show. Um because like it's aimed at such a young audience, so they're trying to show in from my perspective, and they are showing like queer identities that um a six year old could grasp. And um I think they're doing it now uh as an adult obviously like what I want from representation is um more than just that but I think as if I had watched this as a six-year-old I think it would have hit for me
0: to uh go to another direction where I think the show uh an area that the show tries to play in without being explicit about it um where it comes to like neurodivergence um i i really appreciate and and i kind of touched on it a little bit last time but didn't really understand it but like i can um understand the intense anxiety that is exhibited by philip and at the same time uh very much uh feel uh connected to the like uh, I would call it ADHD tendencies of DD. Um, and I like that it's able to show both of those characters with faults, with like, you know, storylines that maybe are teaching them a lesson, but neither of them are like the bad guy because of being extremely anxious or being very, um, high energy, high activity, um, people, um, I, 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 I we talked about it last time with it being like the the ER versus the tigger and neither of these characters are that um but I really just like that 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 element itself like it is a show um you know a, a, about queerness I think but also about neurodivergence but it's not about that um so I don't know if that if that like applies to to the the queer discussion and all but that is something I have in my notes where philip And GD have these like, um, you know, things about them that are that are uh, inherent to them, that are innate to them. But the show is not necessarily about that. It is just about moving through that world with these personalities um, and being varying levels of successful or not successful. But it's not a failing of them because they are uh, experiencing life in the very unique way that they experience it. Um, I, I, you know, that is a, a a very big departure from what we were just talking about, but uh, it is also something that is not explicitly talked about in the show. That I think there is, you know, some clear evidence toward, um, but in a, in a different way than it not being explicitly queer. I, 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 I think it's it's it's. I very much appreciate the the angle that they play it from on the neurodivergent side.
2: Yeah, I think that's really well said, Ronnie. I I don't have like vines into that as um someone who who doesn't have those uh like struggles or difficulties, but I do appreciate like seeing stories about those types of characters that are not like uh either one mocking them or two mm-hmm. like overly dramatic like trauma fest. uh like there are more stories you can tell about neurodivergent characters that are not like heartbreakingly horrific and uh i feel like it's either like inspiration porn or like you know heart the the like other end of like heartbreaking and like yeah no, like the, this is a character has anxiety, and he's also like really fun and goes on adventures, and this is a character with ADHD, uh but she like has a great time
0: with her egg, and it's it's good stuff.- mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're both very relatable. yeah and and I, I just I relatable and not cautionary tales, um, yeah which is which is cool for me. is there anything specifically about these episodes that didn't work for us? I feel like um some of my stuff is just is just more of the same um as as we discussed last time. But if anyone else has anything they want to roll out there. Um for me it's like this show
2: is unbingeable. Yeah. And uh again if i was even just like 10 years younger it might be different but right. um at at th- sitting here at 30 uh and again not the target audience but sitting here at 30 watching three episodes back to back and then the next day watching two it's 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 a lot it's it's a lot. it's a lot of show um uh and and i also think it would be uh easier to like watch an episode break it down yeah and and move on but it that's not how we do this podcast uh and so yeah I will uh say that's a negative it's not the show's fault but no. it, it for for our format it's it's
0: tough if this was coming on like one episode every Saturday morning with my with my with, with my captain crunch uh I'd love it I, w- I would be all about it uh, I still love it. I'm still all about it, but our uh, our bin- binging model does not quite play nice with it.
1: What about you, dear? Um, I don't want to be mean to this show, but it just like it feels very frenetic. Uh, like I I don't like the the two story per episode format um it's like it just feels very loud and like there's a lot going on all the time and uh i don't know i don't find it relaxing to watch the way andy does i find it kind of stressful to watch and uh like most of the most of the storylines don't really seem to be saying anything i know that like I, i i understand that there are like allegories buried in there there's there's uh uh messages buried in there but most of it just feels like sort of like bright colors and loud noises to me which again i know that it's for children like i i understand that like so like that's maybe not a fair critique critique but I'm just not having like a fun time
2: well, like we can only review shows as ourselves, sure. so like that I think that's a perfectly valid response, and not every show is gonna work for for all of us mm-hmm. and that's that's okay
0: yeah it, it's it is maybe maybe I just need Andy's like um director's commentary to like walk me um, through some of the things that I'm fully missing about this show. I mean, maybe have like a really bad, like three
2: months and then a really bad week <laughs> where you cry a lot and then watch sure. it.
0: Sure, sure.
2: Uh, cause yeah, yeah, uh, I was, I was maybe in the, the, the perfect emotional state to watch like, uh, a, a show aimed at children where, uh, the, the stakes were going to be real low for me.
1: Um I mean I, I like low stakes shows. Sure. Yeah, I mean there've been like many shows that are like silly that I've enjoyed.
2: Well what I'm saying is though, like sometimes like a show that like maybe wouldn't normally work for you if you're in the right headspace for it for like that specific show like will will work. That's what I was saying. Uh I wasn't saying that you don't like low stakes shows. Um Oh, can I mention another thing I liked? Mm-hmm. See, that's why this show is really hard to cover cuz yeah. there's 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 so much. Uh in the the Underdark episode where they they didn't keep off the grass and they go to the Underdark. Uh they find a fucking like old computer and they press play and there's a scene of scientists who, like, unleashed these monsters and, like, a scientist, like, gives exposition on the horrible, like, experiments and creatures they created and it was, like, so clearly, like, a video game where they found a tape recorder you, Do you know <laughs> what I'm talking about in yeah. video games? Where you're, like, wandering the complex and you find a tape recorder like in Fallout or Yeah, and the scientist yeah. is like we did these terrible experiments and you're like oh shit, these are the villains I'm about to have to like, do battle with Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought that was really funny because it's such a specific video game, like exposition trope that really doesn't like see play outside of like that genre of storytelling. And to see it in uh, like a cartoon, just it
0: made me uh, extremely happy. I, I love I love to be the one who. uh complains about like lamp shading and being like oh we mentioned already that it's uh that this is a bad way to do exposition so uh it's actually not bad because we we know we acknowledge that it was a bad way to do exposition um but this this is this was funny this was a very good way to do exposition despite it being kind of clunky it it played it leaned into it a lot and i liked it uh and in this episode we get some like the 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 Scientist Lab logo is on Philip's mom's butt. So there's some, like, lore that I was hoping we would get more of. I ho- was hoping that would be a, a greater through line within... Because that happens in episode four, part one. The very first one of this episode we watched. And nothing about it came back up. The whole next ten storylines. I was hoping we would get a little bit. But... um. Nah, it's just focusing on the episodic, which is fine. Or non-episodic, I can't tell. I will
2: say that, um... I agree with, uh... The... Cut that, I just lost my train of thought. But, okay, here we are. Uh, I think the best, like, single episode is the one with, um the trio and Finding Cheryl because they connect. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, the, the band Shell Saga. Yeah, yeah, the band Shell Saga. I think that is the best single episode because the two stories, like, play into each other, even if, like, you can watch them separately, but they they work as a pair, and I, I think this show would be uh, a little easier to handle if each pair of stories had a, a more clear through line. Um, -hmm. there, there might be a through line between each episode that I'm just not picking up on like thematically or something, but, uh, it kind of feels like they were just like, they, they like made 15 minute, 15 minute stories and then just randomly threw them together. Uh, you know, this one will go over here and that one will go over there. But like that one, those two, those two stories are like have a thread. Yeah. And that made it a little easier to follow. And I think it made it a more satisfying episode.
0: And it's interesting because the only real through line is like right at the end of the episode, uh, Milo comes up and is like, oh, I I was going to play. And they're like, you can play with us. Um, yep. despite having like done all this work to like reserve the band shell for themselves like it's such a I I I I appreciate what it is because it immediately showcases like no this is a person we're willing to accept into our tight knit little circle and like that enables you to like immediately jump into the next episode where they're like best friends so it sets that up but at the core of it it's just literally like hi I'm a character from the next episode I'll hang out with you for now and like I'm not I'm that worked like that worked really well. And they could have uh, they could have done that pretty easily with most of these episodes, I feel like.
1: Anybody have any other hot takes? Uh, I don't think I do. Yeah, I don't have, I don't have any takes.
0: All right. So next time, we are going to try and do it a little bit more manageably, and we'll watch three episodes, 9, 10, 11, um, 9, 9A, 9B, 10A. You get the idea. Um, and you can follow us. Oh, excuse me. Try that again. You can follow us on Twitter at PendingPod. And that's it. You can check out our Patreon at uh, www.patreon.com slash WTM radio, or you can check out where they to find out uh, where you can access our merch and other podcasts and our Patreon. Um, new stuff up there. We still, still got, uh, If you haven't checked it out yet, you need to get on there and check out the bonus Uh, fan fiction is good. Actually talking about ABO. Um,
1: It's good. It's very good content.
0: It's upsettingly good. I will say that (laughs) it is. It is very good. In it a, sure
1: is upsetting. It certainly is upsetting.
0: I mean, it's no more upsetting than anything else we have to deal with on a regular basis. It just very much is an upsetting thing that now I have to deal with on a regular basis when mm-hmm. my, when my, my mind's eye opens up a little bit too wide. Um, <laughs> so check that. That's on our Patreon. You get that at any level. Um, but yeah, you can uh, subscribe at the $5 level and get videos and uh, the $10 level and get some real... Hardcore interaction with uh your good good friends. The 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 pending pals. Um and also Ryan from, from Force Friends Rewatch. Um Yeah. Andy, how do we end these episodes? Don't tell Pawn Shop Lou. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Where they may, radio.